0: Welcome to the Servants' Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Rev. Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast.
1: Well, hello, this is Elizabeth, and I thank you for listening in. If you're a first-time listener, I appreciate you joining us. If you listen to all day all the time and you're signed up, I appreciate you especially. So anyway, um, I don't know if anybody else has noticed that it is allergy season, but it has certainly been a uh, present force in my life recently. If you are not from Texas, you may not fully appreciate this. I know this occurs kind of across the South, but it's kind of like there's an annual blanket of snow outside on and it covers everything and every crevice and every crack on, on the house and the car it's everywhere in every plant and it's made of pollen it covers and it's yellow i know that's kind of bad but anyway talking about yellow and snow in the same sentence covering everything but oh my goodness gracious it is wretched out there the pine trees are shedding yellow everywhere in the wind and so I'm going to do my best. Ask for your patience. I'm trying to. It took me a while to get to the podcast because I can't breathe. Anyway, I'm going to try and not to sniff and cough all the way through this podcast. You know, I, I want to kind of pick up where I left off the last time I uh, I had a podcast. Um, I was talking about the Christian the Christian perspective on human life, what it means to be human, and um, I, especially I was I was addressing the idea of self determination versus the idea that we are created by God. That our society holds the idea that we can be self-determining. You get to decide who you are, and Christians um, hold that we are created by God. And and I talked about why we are not our own, why we do not have that right, and why we are not free to reinvent ourselves according to our wishes. Now, that may not be the most interesting topic, I think, for most of us, but certainly uh, it is one of the most important topics for Christians to understand because it's really critical, it goes to the heart of Christian life and faith, Christian belief, uh, to, what, to what it means to be Christian. Okay. So therefore, I guess before we go any further along, uh, we ought to start with prayer. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you and Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I want to... In my backyard, I have to tell you, you know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not. Or maybe I've mentioned it seventy-four times, but um, I we we planted a garden. A friend and I planted a garden out there, and um, we have this string that we use for something to tie up plants. But it is a big old wad of string. It's not even a. It's not even a legitimate ball of string. It is a wad of string, and it's got a bunch of knots in it. It's all tangled up and everything, and you can't find the beginning. You can't find the end of it. So every so often, if I need a piece of string for something, tie up a plant or whatever, or fix a, I don't know, to whenever I need a string for I go out there and just cut a length off. I don't know where it started. I don't know where it ended, but I find as much string as I want and I cut it out and there you go. I keep on going. Well, I got to say with these podcasts, I feel like I'm doing kind of the same thing. I'm going in and, and taking one topic and just and pulling out of a big old tangle of knots and I pull out one topic and try to, to untangle it and say, here, let's take a look at this and try to make it more Christian. Let's look at it from a Christian point of view. You know, because I think that American Christians hold a whole tangle of ideas and views that are not Christian, you know, as never before in in, in American history, and, and, and Christians need to recover Christian faith and Christian life. We have got to recover that if we want to be, If I don't know. That sounds so contradictory. If you want to be a Christian at all, you should know Christian faith and you should know Christian life. But currently, we live in a milieu when, in which so many people have, the church is just, our culture is so inundated in the culture, and so many ideas have infected the church and have, are now plagues inside the church, that um, as never before, American Christianity needs to recover um, the gospel itself. You know, the last podcast I ended with the idea, and I believe this emphatically, that the only hope for our world is Jesus Christ, and my and my concern is that Chris, that Christianity, as we know it, as most Christians know it today in the American church, is too deeply compromised by the culture around us that we that we have come to hold beliefs that are completely contrary to the teaching of Jesus Christ. You know, and um. That means that we're also not offering any Christian hope because we don't have Christian hope. We're not offering Christian salvation. We're not offering Christian life to the world around us because we don't draw deeply enough from that well ourselves. That's what I'm concerned about. I mean, you know... Currently, we are now living in. um, I think America has become a thoroughly postmodern society. And if you want to know what postmodern is, you need to ask, "What is modern? What do we what do we consider modernity to be?" Oh, that was the you know the age of science. That's the age of reason and rationality and stuff like that. Is what modernity is. So, if postmodernity is the age of non-science, and I think there's some truth to that. And uh, but anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But I I, I don't think that science is near as what they thought it was going to be. during modernity and postmodernity, I think it's kind of manipulated. But uh, it's also no longer re- post, we're post rational now or post reasonable now. Um, and that, I think that's true of postmodernity. You say, well, we're not, we're a postmodern society. That means we don't have any idea what's reasonable, rational, or true. So, anyway, a society that lives like that is ultimately going to self destruct. I mean, it's going to destroy the people within the society. In, in, even if, even if we're not distra- destroyed from outside, like some, you know, military, um, I don't know, attack or whatever, we're going to be destroyed from the inside because the postmodern mindset leads inevitably to nihilism, um, that, that nothing has any meaning. And, and in a, if everything is irrational, um, then in the end, there's nothing that matters, and we That that that's the end of human life is nothingness, and and so that that mindset is what spawned the idea that we should be self determining. You since since life has no meaning, why don't you determine what you want to be and live that out fully? Even if you want to pretend that you're a tiger um, and you couldn't possibly survive out in the out in the jungle or whatever, but you know if you want to pretend that that's okay, you just go ahead and create your own self. There's nothing right. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing good. There's nothing bad. There's nothing male. There's nothing female. There's nothing real. That's the essence of postmodernity, and that is why it's nihilistic, because it leads to nothingness. It's just vacuous. It's empty. It's tragic. You know, you get to decide for yourself what is human, what is life, what is valuable, what is good. And i got to tell you, I think that's a really seduct- seductive kind of um, thought right there. You know, I get to create reality however I want it to. Um, I think I'll just make anything up that I want it to be. You know, and as Christians... We should recognize that as as the endless cycle, one generation after another, of the fall in Genesis 3. Hi, I think I am going to take control, and I'm going to make reality what I want it to be, and I'm going to set forth and be self-determining, and I'm going to play God right here. I'll take control. But I want you to think about it. If Everybody gets to be self-determining, and if there, if there is no good, there is no bad, bad there is no valuable or, or less valuable, there's, if there's no um, right or wrong, if nothing is real, if everybody gets to def- do all their, own, all their own definitions, then in reality, what, what is going to happen when everybody is doing that is utter chaos is going to prevail. That's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be if there's no good, if there's no bad, and if individuals are entirely subject to their feelings, that is gonna have disastrous consequences and it's gonna come into conflict with one another. It is completely an untenable way of, of organizing a society, which is not to say we're not doing that, but it is untenable. It leads to destruction. You know, we have a new Supreme Court justice, and I don't even wanna I don't I don't even wanna get in that, um, in terms of all of the, the political what do I say, um, toadying or whatever i'm not interested in that what i'm interested in are the laws and what's good for human beings and um the new supreme court justice can't decide cannot define what a woman is i find that incredibly bizarre she's a woman how does she not know what a woman is but anyway she said that she's not a biologist and therefore she can't define a woman Um, and the funniest little meme i saw was you know, uh, this lady said, this guy kept saying, well, what do you mean? You know, she's not a biologist or whatever. And the lady goes, well, I'm not a veterinarian, but I know that's not, I know what a dog is. You know, how do we say, you can't live in a world where you don't know where what anything is. I don't know what anything is. I'm not a specialist. That That's the Supreme Court justice that we have. Supreme Court justice also does not believe that pedophilia is a very serious offense and passes out simple or or light sentences, no harsh punishment for pedophiles. Doesn't that make you feel comfortable with your child? Are your grandchildren on the road, out running the streets, playing, doing things? What do you think about that? I mean, because really, if you think about it, pedophilia is an innate urge. It's, it, it's just, it just comes to some people naturally. And we've said, well, I will regret that. But I'm sorry, but you can't have that urge because it, it harms our children. And there are people who say, oh, it doesn't harm children at all. It's been going on forever. Do you want to offer your child or your grandchildren to pedophiles? I don't know. Probably the most dangerous aspect, I think, of nihilism is the profound alienation, um, the, what it does inside each one of us is, is this alienation from all that makes us truly human. You know, instead of rising to meet the challenges that we face or overcoming difficulties, instead of um, aspiring to persevere and make something out of ourselves, we're defeated before we ever even start. And even if you make something out of yourself and make a difference, in the end, it all accounts for nothing. So all the creativity of humanity, all the imagination, all the building of community that we do so that we might um, live together and create a meaningful and rich life and that we might have a a... a Fabric with uh, multi f- threads of, of that's rich and warm and worthy and worthwhile, and leave an imprint behind us of something wonderful. The depth of friendship for which we all strive. Think about familial attachments that we have with those we love. All those become pointless. You know, it's just pointless, it makes no difference because life amounts to nothing in the end. It just make yourself happy. So without purpose or without vi- value, nihilism always leads to hedonism. If all you have is this moment and none of it matters, then you might as well have as much fun as you can have at whatever cost to whomever else that you want, you know, it doesn't make any difference. People will do anything to feel alive. We need to understand that people will do... If you tell them their life has no value, then they will do whatever it takes to feel alive because human beings are more than um, nihilism. They are more than postmodern thought. They are more than hedonism. There is more to the human character than any of those are sufficient for. Hedonism continually diminishes us to nothing more than our basest urge. You know, whatever that happens to be. It's like taking the finest hearse in the richest coffin on your way to death. You know... When people are disconnected, they don't belong, they become easy prey. When I think about the people in our society today, you know, especially younger people, um, like when I say younger again, that's such a, that is such a subjective sort of thing, but people 40 and under, 40, 50, 30 and under, 15 and under, I don't know. But when I think about them, I, I think about, about the parable of the lost sheep that we're gonna, that when, where, where Jesus talks about the shepherd leaving the 99 and going out in search of the one. And you know why he did do that? Why that's so important? Because when the one gets separated away from the 99, when it's out by itself someplace, that one is going to start bleating and bleating as in squealing out and calling I'm lost, come and find me. And it's like sending up a flare going, here wolves, here I am, come and destroy me. Right, and that is the description of young people in our world today. They don't know much of anything, and they think their life has no meaning. And they are searching for something to feel alive, and that makes them at the mercy of the wolves who are promising to protect the sheep. <laughs> Yay! The wolves are going to protect the sheep. The the wolves are taking are, are, are the are taking them into the lair of tribalism. That's what's going on right now, and you know everybody's going to be part of some tribe. You know, and don't, don't deviate, don't move away from that. Don't, what, happened to, what happened to all the self-determination that we had just, just before? It's going to give way to being part of a tribe, and whoever the wolf happens to be, the largest wolf wins that, wins that tribe, and, and then you have to follow behind. I am so tired of tribal language, I can't even see straight. It makes me crazy. You know, I asked in the last podcast, who benefits by the destruction of society? You know, who benefits by dividing citizens into tribes? I mean, if, you know, who is going to gain by suggesting that reality is not real, that it's all a construct. You make it up any way you want it to be. And the answer is going to be that the only people who are going to benefit from that are not the people who are self-destructing by trying to live a false reality or create a false reality. The one who's going to benefit for it are the, are the ones who empower them. And control people by their own through their own desires. You know, the people who are going to benefit from this particular mindset are those who are driven by greed and want to have the most. They'll promise you the most if you give them the most power, and um, they can make the most off of you, giving you all your wishes while you self-destruct. That's kind of how I see politics today. And I'll tell you, it's not really all that new. It is. Uh, this is the way human beings have always been. But it is not the way that America has always been. And that's why I keep harping on the topic, because I think this is new to a lot of us. Um, uh, you know, it's certainly not like our education system is doing a bang up job of teaching all of this. So, I mean, the question then is like, when you look at it, how much do the Christians, how much do we as Christians understand when we are endorsing ideas that are nihilistic or endorsing ideas that lead to hedonism, ideas that eventually will cause people to self destruct? How much are we a part of that? It's not new. But it is new in American Christianity, you know. You hear it at church all the time. Let's all live and just, and we'll just, we'll just live and let live. Everybody can do your own thing and we can all just get along. Wouldn't that be nice? But that is not who God is. Therefore, that is not who we can be. I mean, you know, God came in the world to save the world. That means there's something wrong with that. So just live and let live is not a very godly thing to do. I mean, I, we're talking about our God who went to the cross, was prepared to die, I mean he did die excuse me he was crucified on our on our behalf. So in in contrast to American culture Christianity then is you know like a life of hope. It is a life of promise. That you know when I say that God, that God is not somebody who accepts the the destruction of people the the self-determination the the self-determining um reality that he rejects the the desire for power and control and greed he, he rejects the um the nihilism and the hedonism all those things he that is not who god is that's not who we are we are a people of hope we're people of promise we're people of purpose that is what it is to be christian and I know that, you know, um, that that there are atheists out there that, that mock that, and I can't bring myself to care. I mean, only a fool says in his heart there is no God. And so when an atheist mocks me, I want to go, oh, but you're so misled, you're so misguided. I know they think that I am, but I think they are, and I can't really get all hot and bothered about it if they think I'm stupid. I, I, I feel sorry for them. Because, but I will say this. If we want to be taken seriously, then then Christianity has to be real in each one of us. And Christian life has to be vibrant. It has to be meaningful in each one of us. And it has to be marked by purposeful passion. Passion with an aim. An aim for the good. An aim for God. And and I'm not talking about sexual passion, you know. But but the passion for life itself. The passion to be fully alive. To be be full of joy. To be full of the abundance that Christ gives. You know, I'm not... I don't want to pretend that Christianity is not difficult. It isn't. It is. Christian discipleship is a challenge to the world around us, right? And it is hard to live. But Christian discipleship is about overcoming division and overcoming and loving human beings as sisters, and brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's about striving for intentional union with God and with one another, about living in virtue and holiness, living in the way God intended us to live and being as God intended us to be. Right? So to be Christian is to be completely the opposite of everything that is natural that our national culture is becoming. That's what it means to be a Christian. The opposite of everything that our national culture is becoming. You know, and that's not, I don't think that's bad. I don't think we have anything in particular to fear because our Lord has already overcome the world. Remember that. That is so important. And our Lord cannot be defeated you know i just want to i just want to lay out here we have on the one side we have all the 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 culture around us right and it is a nihilistic life that leads to hedonism okay and um so and then you have christian life and let's just compare the two just real quick like i got a couple of little things i jotted down here first of all in a nihilistic life in a life of nihilism that there it's meaningless there nothing matters life is meaningless in a christian life Everything is meaningful because everything matters because God created it and it is of God and it's from him and it matters whether or not it is brought to its good, brought to its meaning, brought to its purpose. A nihilistic life, speaking of which, has no purpose. It's going nowhere and there is no end to it except for just death and then you're gone. Christian life, on the other hand, is an an entire lifetime spent preparing and gathering others to take to the kingdom with you. It is a life of purpose because you are aimed toward an end that is magnificent. A nihilistic life is a life that is seeking some sort of identity. Somebody tell me who I am. Somebody notice me. Somebody love me. And Christian life is born into the family of God. You belong, baby. You belong to the Father, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's who you are. Nihilistic life is in search of happiness. Will this thing make me happy? Will that thing make me happy? I need something to make me happy because I'm so like distraught. Life is too short and then it has no meaning and then I'm going to die. Christian life is to live as a recipient of unlimited joy. Participate in the Lord's joy. That's what Christian life is. And a nihilistic life is plagued by loneliness. I mean there's there's a whole epidemic of loneliness going on right now. While a Christian life is overwhelmed by the love of God. Overwhelmed by love. You know, I could go on and on in this. Many of the comparisons between what the world offers, and it's never been as clear as it is right now, but what the world offers us versus what God is offering us, what is offered in Jesus Christ. And if the current generation of our young people are anything, it is grossly... You know, uninformed and misled, they are headed in the wrong direction. And uh, this friend of mine and I were discussing people are under thirty the other day. <laughs> they're appallingly, they're just appallingly um, ignorant of of anything. I don't know what they're being taught in school, but it's not much. And and they're also very arrogant about what they don't know. I mean, they they have so little knowledge. I, I just, and then they are very arrogant that they are morally and intellectually superior. To we old people, you know, they're going to throw away the past because they have no use for it and um, therefore they possess no wisdom at all while they look down on all us old people who don't really understand things. At the very same time, they suffer from high rates of depression, uh, widespread anxiety in younger folks. There's a soul-destroying loneliness. Statistics, studies after studies have shown that. It is an unbelievably tragic time for these people, and they're almost impossible to reach, you would think. But they should be quite easy. We should be able to reach them with the gospel. Let's think about that. So if we are surrounded by, um, you know, like, if, if this generation of people, this younger generation or whatever, um, have high rates of depression and, and anxiety, and if they are lonely and contemplating suicide and such, you know, where is Christianity and all that? I and mean, We're going to think about that. Let's, let's ask the question. Where is Christianity? What is, what is the, the Christian response to all these changes in our society? And, and see, this is why I think it's so important, because I'm not sure that most of us have realized how much society has changed. In a culture that's immersed in meaningless living, that's carefully cultivated divisions and hatred between the people and stuff, we have the gospel of life. Christianity has everything for every human being. We are created by God to be in communion with God. So, what is human sin except for the distortions and the perversions of god-given qualities and design i mean everything that we are was made by god and therefore if we are lost and we are confused and we are misguided and we are self-destructing those are all just perversions of who god made us to be and what he made us to be to begin with they all the qualities of any human being even even the the qualities of hedonism and things like that those are all aimed toward wrong ends when they should be aimed toward Christ, but they're, they, they originate in God given, in God given uh, qualities and innate. They're original to the human, to the human soul, human being, right? And um, so. Why? What? How, how do we speak to these people? How do, we, how do we not know that we have the answer for all of them? That these, the, the, the loneliness, the depression, the sadness, and all the rest are leading them astray and away from God when they were created to draw them to God? That all of those qualities are, are, are intended to draw them to God? Right? The thing that bothers me is that the church has adopted a measure, sort of a measured form of nihilism itself. The church has done that, it's accepted that. And we don't challenge the the incredibly destructive life and belief that we see around us in society. Instead we tend to accept it. And and I can't comprehend that. Okay, I want to offer you some illustrations. Let me give you some ideas here. Okay? Just to these are really simple ones. These are not complex. These are really simple. Right? Right. So uh have you ever these are ideas in the culture that are very common have you ever heard people say or have you ever asked this question yourself you know why do bad things happen to good people oh great question right there's books it, written about that it's a common question why do but you know uh, why do bad things happen to good people well why would a christian ask such a question i need to ask that question why would you ever ask that the answer is there are no good people. Do you not know that? That is the nature of you know. That's what Christian teaching is. Hello, why why would we have a savior if we were all good? You know why why did what what did Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Did he not look at him and said, "Why do you call me good? Only God is good." So when we sit around and say, "Oh, how could God let something this awful happen?" You know whatever. Or why, why why did this bad thing happen to this good person? I want to go. What good person? Which one was that? I don't. I'm not that good. All right. So when, when people are led astray by, by a nihilistic, self-determining, you know, postmodern culture, they're not doing anything any different than all the rest of us. They're not good, and so they're going to lead to their own, to their own destruction. The hard part with it is that we are not in a position to, to redirect their lives because we don't understand how, how compromised we are by that, that type of idea and that type of, that type of perspective, right? Here's another common question that you hear. You know, um, if God is good... Right? Why do these horrible things happen? And I'm talking about disease or disaster here. Why do these horrible things happen to people? You know, there's a huge tsunami or there's a huge um, hurricane or tornado or storm or whatever. If God is good, how could all these horrible things happen? Really? Christians should never ask that question. You ought to know the answer to that question, and be able to speak to it, right? Do you read the Bible? Creation is subject to human beings. We're the top of the we're at the top of the heap. We're the, the top of the hierarchy, right? And it's subject to human beings. So what you see in creation now is not what God designed. It's not what he desires. And it's not what creation will become one day. But because human beings are fallen from God's intent, then creation has fallen from God's intent. Yeah, sure enough. So I mean, you know, like how I'm always fascinated by people who are going to do dramatic things to save creation. I want to go. You don't even understand fully what it is apart from God, and that's that I um I discovered in some of my research recently. And this wasn't new to people who study these sorts of things. But did y'all know that down around Antarctica they have found all sorts of different like life forms. I mean, you know, plants and things that are the the remains of all of that. And did you? But did you further know this is something most of us don't know. Even if you're into science, right, the early church fathers held that there was no winter, that there was no cold, there was no ice, there was no that that you had the perfect environment all the time, which would lend itself to the growth of plants where there is now only ice.n't they kind of boggle the mind when you think about it? And they didn't have all the advancements of science today, but our science isn't creative enough to come up with an answer like, "Wow. Before the fall, one time when God created, it was all an ideal environment outside. And one day it will be again. No, we can't go there. Why do, why do such horrible things happen? Because we live in a broken and fallen world. That God's busy redeeming. Here's another one really close to home. Let me step on some toes here. Which offers the better understanding of the self? Which, if, you, if you need to understand something, if you're distressed... Which offers the best understanding of the self? Which offers the better answer? Your psychologist or your prayer time with Jesus Christ? Which one will produce the greatest insight and the greatest direction? Your time with your psychologist or your prayer time with Jesus Christ? So the question is for each one of us. How much of Christianity do we believe and how much of postmodern nihilistic culture do we believe? We need need to be able to answer that question because we're about to enter Holy Week. And I think that's... I love Holy Week. I really do. I think it's the most important week of the year. But we're about to enter Holy Week. It starts Sunday with Palm Sunday. And um, that's Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem where He comes in. And they're all waving um, uh, palm branches and singing Hosanna. And they throw their coats down. The little children are, are running before Him and after Him, you know, whatever. So, But Palm Sunday, we have to realize, it's important for us to understand, Palm Sunday... Is um, represents the Chris, uh, Christian struggle for its place in the world. Or the human struggle. I mean, the Jews wanted the place in the world. What were they hoping for? They were hoping that Jesus would overthrow Rome and become the new king like David. Well, Palm Sunday reflects what every human being wants, even Christians. We want victory in the world. And it doesn't even matter. It's in passing things. It can be great big things like political victories or military victories. Or it can be small things like the comforts of home and things and the like. But we want victory in this world. We want things to work out right. That's a Palm Sunday Christianity right there. Now, Resurrection Sunday is coming as well, right? And I'm going to tell you, I'm giving up Easter. There are way too many bunnies involved in Easter. But um, we need to remember that that Easter is Resurrection Sunday. That's the day Jesus overcame the world. That's the day Jesus defeated death. That's the day Jesus defeated Satan. So there. The resurrection overturns everything we think we know. Every piece of human knowledge fades in the, in the light of the resurrection, in the light of the empty tomb. When eternity opens up and the body is raised, we go, wow, whatever we thought we know, it's not that much, just for the record. It's kind of fading away in the light of the tomb. There is something more beyond all that we see. There is something that we do not know and cannot touch that stretches far beyond this life. We ought not to be arrogant about our knowledge, or even be arrogant about our refusal to accept knowledge. Realize, in a nihilistic culture, we're rejecting all of that. Now then, our Christian lives match those. Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday Christianity, for example, is all about this world, about our current circumstances and the current conditions our personal wants and comforts, that sort of thing. And Resurrection Sunday Christianity is about getting up and getting after the business of living for the kingdom, where Christ reigns, living for that world, for what is eternal, for what we cannot yet see. When we talk about faith, the certainty of things hoped for. is to pursue the victory that defeats death. That's what Resurrection Sunday Christianity is. It is never to succumb to the victory that ends with death. And that's what Palm Sunday Christianity is. It's a victory that ends with death. You know? And Resurrection Sunday is the victory that destroys death. Big difference between the two. So, where do you fall on that spectrum? Curiously, just as, as a matter of curiosity, where do you fall? How much of the world's beliefs do you hold? You know, are you closer to Palm Sunday? Or are you closer to Resurrection Sunday? All of us are somewhere along that line. And we kind of move back and forth, I think. You know, one leads to death, though, and one leads to life. We're all going to die. The question is, but where are we going to end? I'm not talking about hell. Where, does, where, where is, what, what is death? Is death the end or is death the passing? We're all going to die. So, I mean, the question is, where do you fall on the spectrum? Are you closer to Palm Sunday? Oh, well, death is the, that's the end. That's a, oh, you know, and then there's nothing. Are you closer to Resurrection Sunday? Because it's a passing. There's more beyond that we can't even begin to imagine yet. I guess my point is we cannot bring the gospel to the world. We cannot minister to the world in Jesus' name if we are part of the world in which we live. We cannot bring hope to people who are despairing. We cannot be light in, a, into, into, in the darkness around us. We cannot extend mercy to sinners, and we cannot extend grace to start anew if we are part of the world. If you're going to accept nihilism, then you cannot accept the resurrection. If, if your life means nothing, then you cannot understand yourself as born of God. Those two things are in conflict. And if you say, oh, well, you, however you feel matters, then you're accepting a postmodern assumption that contradicts Christianity entirely because, because God said how you feel is not the measure of reality. It has, it, how you feel in this moment can't begin to, to embrace or to encompass the totality of what is real and what is true and what is right. That is not even fully disclosed to us yet. You know, so we, if we are part of the world, we don't have anything to offer the world. That's how it works. So this is a challenge and an opportunity that Christians face now. This is where we are as a, as our culture is embracing self destruction and be, be very clear. That is exactly what we're doing. We are embracing self destruction. Then most people are not going to want Christianity or Christian faith to be the answer. And they don't believe that it possibly can be, but Christianity has always. The answer has always been the answer because Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God who came to save and that includes this generation as well. Let me be clear about that. I think a lot of what we hear and what is being taught and what is being pushed in our way most people don't accept. But it doesn't mean that we don't accept bits and pieces of it enough to tangle up our lives. Christian faith truly understood. Christian life truly lived, right? With the spirit of God dwelling in us. then it, it becomes a beacon of light to a world living in darkness, to a world heading into in, dead ends. Christianity becomes like this alternative that is everything desirable for people of death. It is a, a life when there is, no, when there is so little to be had. When everything that we thought was life turns out to have been, you know, just a passing fad. If we want to have any hope of becoming Christ-saving and life-giving body in the world today, then we need to start by disentangling from our culture and pulling out the knots of false belief that ran that run rampant through our church. You know, we go, no, that's not true. We need to stop accepting nihilistic ideas. We need to stop agreeing that hedonism is a good end for our society or for an individual. It's not. Hedonism is just... Pleasure until you can stand no more and it shows itself not to be pleasurable as it destroys you along the way. We need to become authentically Christian disciples with the mind of Christ, with the humility of Christ. We need to be formed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be committed to the will of the Father. From the day that Jesus rose from the dead all the way to today, our Father is preparing a new heaven and a new earth. You know, um, the resurrection reality Is 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 coming and it is inexcusable for us to ignore a culture of death in which we live. The resurrection is is true, it is real, it is it is everything that God has to offer us, which is more than we can begin to comprehend. You know, to accept hedonism, you know, as and and the the devastation, it's devastation of human beings is, is appalling. The encouragement of self-destruction in the name of compassion, that is a delusion. Why do we do that? There's a resurrection coming, you guys. We're going to celebrate it not far away. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that world where every every our greatest longings are fulfilled, where we are more than we ever imagined we could be, and where there's an abundance beyond anything we can comprehend, and life evermore. It's coming. Do you want to be a part of it? And do you have sufficient resurrection life now to offer it to the world around you? It is time for us to reclaim the fullness of the gospel. And that means untangling ourselves from a world that is bent on death. We need to be disentangled from our world and be authentically Christian in contradiction to it or in contrast to it so that we can offer life. Let's close with a prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all be blessed now.
0: You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.